Welcome to livingpianos.com and virtualsheetmusic.com. I am Robert Estrin with a very special show today, How to Choose a Piano for a Concert. And we have a wonderful artist with us, concert pianist, George Coe. Welcome, George. It's my pleasure, thanks for having Great me. Great to have you here. A little bit about George. George is a pianist based in New York City, and he's been involved in philanthropy, in being an entrepreneur in music, he was actually the head of the uh, Harvard Piano Society, so he brings a depth of experience to this question as to how to choose a piano for a concert. So, we were just talking as you came in and mm -hmm. discussing the fact that uh, in the international competitions, there's actually a choice of pianos today. Right. Tell us a little bit more about that. Um, so, so now, you know, with the great age of technology, um, there are a lot of different companies that can build these pianos, and they learn a lot of different techniques, um, and so they've kind of want to showcase their best pianos. And uh, I mean, the, the house name, uh, which is Steinway, uh, has been making these pianos since, you know, in the 19th century, and so they you know, everyone, when they think of a concert grand piano, they think Steinway. But there are other companies that also produce nine-foot Steinway, or nine-foot pianos. Yes. <laughs> Excuse me. And, uh, you know, and the big ones are Yamaha, mm -hmm. Shigeru Kawai, and Fazioli. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is Fazioli, is a, you know, as you know, is a very relatively new piano yes. company. It started from this uh, Italian gentleman, Paolo Fazioli, that, I mean, his family made furniture. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he loves piano. He's a pianist himself, so he's yes. decided, let's build pianos. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the first pianos were awful, and he, he admits they're you know not so great. Um, but as experience, you know, from building these pianos kept Im improving with technology. Mm -hmm. Now they have a piano that's on the international competition stage. So normally, when you go to a big competition, they'll have a selection of you know a nine-foot Steinway, and depending where you are in the world, if you're in the United States in North America, it's a nine-foot New York Steinway. Mm -hmm. If you're in Europe or Asia, it's normally a Hamburg uh, Steinway. Then you have the 9-foot Fazioli, and then you have a 9-foot Yamaha CFX, which is a handmade Yamaha, mm -hmm. and then the 9-foot Imperial Grand Shigeru Kawai, which is also a uh, handmade Kawai. And What oh, about sorry, Busendorfer? Because Yamaha, of course, owns Busendorfer. Are yes. they providing that alternative to pianists as well? You know, you would, th you would think so, because Busendorfers have had a long history. I mean, they're, they're fantastic Viennese instruments, mm -hmm. and they've had a history of being the piano of choice for many, many great pianists. Um, I mean, w Paul Badura Skoda, um, you know, Andre Schiff, um, you know, and actually Victor Burga, was famous for using Busendorfer's at Oscar all Peterson on Oscar the Peterson and jazz and, jazz and yes, <laughs> yeah. of course. So it's it's a very well known piano. Uh -huh. um, you know, I, I I can't speak for Yamaha since I you know I have no affiliation with sure. them. But I, I think the, you know, if you if you're a company that has a name attached to your piano, you want to promote that one. Sure. And you know, if you have a Yamaha CFX with a 91 key Imperial Busendorfer next mm -hmm. to it, it might. Um, <laughs> You know, it's kind of like you're competing with your own product. True. Um, it, it would be nice. I, I think they should have the 91 key mm -hmm. Busendorfer. Even more than that, you know, interestingly, and mm -hmm. apropos of the subject today, every year I go to the NAM show, the big mm -hmm. music trade show right here in Orange County. And the first thing I do is I play every concert grant at the show. Mm -hmm. And one year my favorite piano might be a Mason and Hamlin. Mm -hmm. One year it might be a Shigeru. Uh, one year it might be a Busendorfer. It's oftentimes a different 
brand of piano. Right. <laughs> and my perspective, and I want to get your opinion mm -hmm. of this, and there's a, another th point I'm going to make about that, the show. My perspective is that when you get to that level of hand-built pianos, just as several Steinway Ds will be dramatically different from one another, right. when you get to this level, the brand sometimes is secondary to the specific instrument you're playing, and I was wondering what your perspective is on this. Well, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more, but as a disclaimer, I'm a Steinway artist, so I'm supposed <laughs> to say that you should only play on Steinways. Um, but beside the point, mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah, every piano has a different character, has a different mm -hmm. sound. Um, you know, the stereotype that the Japanese pianos are more consistent, I mean, that's also true, in, you know, in their handmade pianos. Mm -hmm. They have, the Japanese are known for very specific craftsmanship. Um, right. They're very highly precise. Uh, and a lot of their parts, even their handmade pianos, are machined. Mm -hmm. um, so the fittings are very exact. Um, but then, it, I mean, it kind of stops there. The thing about the Japanese pianos and Fazioli is that they are relentlessly trying to uh, produce what they, they view as the iconic piano. So every year, their nine-foot Steinway is different. Mm -hmm. No nine-foot Steinway has the same design. Mm -hmm. If you actually look at Shigeru Kawai's Imperial nine-foots, they one year decided to put carbon fiber in their bridge design, mm -hmm. which is, it's shocking. I mean, <laughs> this may not be a big deal if you're talking about cars, you know, right. carbon fiber. But, but in piano making, where everything is wood and brass mm -hmm. and iron, you suddenly introduce carbon fiber. So they're, they're really experimenting with a lot of things. To uh, augment that, mm. at the uh, big music messe in uh, Hamburg, is it, in Germany, mm -hmm. they actually had an all-carbon fiber piano, the Wessel, Nickel, and Gross Action from Mason and Hamlin. Oh, wow. But the entire piano, including the soundboard, even the plate was made of carbon fiber. And I How heard- How that sound? Isn't that, you know, I heard good things about it, but oh, okay. I have not heard any recordings. <laughs> I am going to the big trade show in Shanghai, uh -huh. uh, which is coming up this weekend. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I'll get to see a lot of things over there, but I thought right. it's really interesting with cutting edge. I think the thing that, uh, the reason for what you're describing here is that by necessity, all concert grands are handmade, one of a kind instruments, essentially. Mm -hmm. They're never mass-produced, are they? <laughs> no, I mean, Yamaha and Kawhi do have mass-produced nine-foots, mm -hmm. but um, you know, it's, I went to a piano festival sponsored by Kawhi, mm -hmm. and I thought it was very strange. They had the nine-foot handmade Shigeru Kawhi, and then right next to it, they had a nine-foot manufactured Kawhi. Mm -hmm. So I thought this was really strange, because you know, there were two piano concerts, and so you know, naturally you want to compare. Mm -hmm. So you go up, you know, you go on stage, and while no one's looking, you know, n none of the Kawaii technicians are there. Yeah. You play on the nine-foot manufactured Kawaii. You know, that's a nice piano. Mm -hmm. And then you play on the handmade piano, and <laughs> I mean, it's like seeing you know a rainbow for the first time. <laughs> uh, and and so, you know, people often ask why the astronomical prices. You know, like why mm -hmm. buy handmade piano? And the fact of the matter is is that these craftsmen have spent their whole lives building these things, and they, they're so comfortable with their material that they can just touch the wood. Mm -hmm. You know, like, uh, you see this big plate in the piano, and that's fitted by this guy named the Belly Man, and he can just feel from the edges of the plate, you know, what's the best fitting mm -hmm. into uh, the rim for this piano. Uh, the people who create the soundboards, mm -hmm. who lay the planks of wood next to each other and align the grains, you know, can eyeball it 
and years just of experience. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, mm -hmm. and it's better than any computer. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, I mean, even as good as technology gets, I always pick a handmade piano yeah. any day. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, in going with that, you know, recently I played a uh, performance for the annual Music Teachers mm -hmm. Association convention, and on stage were two brand new Steinway Ds. And you think, you know, here's two pianos straight from Steinway. Right. They were so different from one another, you could not even believe it. Uh, and one of them was truly a great piano. The other one was, you know, nothing wrong with it, but didn't have that magic. And when uh -huh. you consider the soundboard is made of wood and no two trees are alike, right. and human work. The thing to realize, though, even about manufactured pianos, as you uh, aptly put them, is that there's a tremendous amount of handwork. People would never believe that even on factory-made pianos, low-end right. pianos, they're hand-notching the bridges. So much of piano manufacturing is done the old-fashioned way, even in the mass-produced pianos, that it's kind of remarkable when How, you consider what it takes. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, it's a, uh, every piano, I mean, the consigrant has over 12,000 parts. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, you know, there's, I mean, there's just so many high-precision work that's required that a robot just cannot do it. Right. Like, I guess, for example, notching the bridge. Mm -hmm. uh, you just cannot find a robot. That can <laughs> <laughs> not yet. I mean, not yet, not yet. You know, some guy at the MIT Media Lab will figure it out. Right. They, they, have they have machines that can play them pretty darn well now. Oh, yeah. But I mean, there are the people's performances, at least, at least not up the till now. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, but what's interesting is, you know, as a Steinway artist, uh, one of the great luxuries um, I get to enjoy and I'm, I'm very privileged to is when I do a concert, um, you know, you're allowed to select which piano you want to play on. Um, so say for example, you know, you're giving a concert at Symphony Hall in Boston. Mm -hmm. You want a and, big you know, one. You want then. a big one. Yeah. And, and you don't like any of the pianos in the hall. Now, mm. I have to say the pianos in the hall are great. So <laughs> um, but you know, if you don't, you can go to the Steinway dealer in, right. in your city mm -hmm. and Steinway has this concert artist department and they have a circulation of hundreds of pianos that you can choose from. Right. And every city has their own you know, three. And this really is fundamentally why Steinway is effectively the only choice for touring artists, uh, or is this not the case anymore? Um, yes and no. Uh, it's, it's a choice. It's really the only choice uh, if you want to pick what piano you want. Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't have the luxury of a very wealthy sponsor, mm -hmm. so to speak, right. um, because moving pianos is expensive. I mean, we know all about yeah. that. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, I know, I know of pianists who, you know, there are artists, very famous artists mm -hmm. like Maria Giao Perez, mm -hmm. who is a Yamaha CFX artist, and Yamaha ships her piano wow. to every city she performs in. Um, you know, and then there's Shigeru Kawai artists mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, the same happens with them. I th this I must be a very select Group oh, of very artists. yes, very select mm -hmm. group. I mean, uh, I, th I believe Ma uh, Mikhail Pletnev is mm -hmm. a Shigeru artist, and so that for every concert, wow. you know, it's, it's a huge expense. Horowitz used to travel with his Steinway concert grand. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, and you know that was out of pocket. I mm -hmm. mean, Steinway did not pay for that. <laughs> Horowitz just, you know, what's funny is uh, Horowitz uh, 
was, was so particular about his piano, not because it was better than every piano, it was just he was so used to it. It was also doctored to a tremendous extent. Oh, oh yes. To be very light and bright. And he could control oh, yeah. that. Anybody else sitting down at that piano would have a tough time adjusting. No, it's, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and funny enough, I'm actually currently taking lessons with one of his premier students. Oh, really? Uh, Eduardo Halim, oh, who right. was his, uh, you know, prized pupil. And um, uh, Professor Halim would always mention, you know, Horowitz's piano was so incredibly light. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, just to give kind of a metric, a Steinway regulated key, mm -hmm. the down weight in grams should be, right. you know, 50 grams, and then it goes up from 25 to 30 grams. Horowitz's piano had a down weight of somewhere around 42, mm -hmm. which, so it's on the light side. Right. And then the up weight was 37 grams. So that means if you poke the key, it pops right up. Mm -hmm. and, and actually, if you watch old Horowitz recordings, mm -hmm. he plays very flat finger. Right. You know, everything's from the knuckle. It was and a completely different technique. Yeah, it's like a very supple Similar technique. to Glenn Gould's technique. Yes, in a way, yes. Mm -hmm. um, Glenn Gould's technique was, actually, funny enough, one of my friends, he was Glenn Gould's technician. Really? And, and, he, and Glenn Gould had, you know, he toured uh, with the same piano, but it was a concert artist piano, so he didn't own it. Mm -hmm. But Steinway shipped his piano around for concerts. Mm -hmm. well, thankfully, he ended touring very early, so it didn't become right. a big expense. <laughs> Um, and uh, my, my friend, he fixed, I mean, there was a lot of problems with the piano. He fixed mm -hmm. everything. And Gould went back and he played a Bach partita. Mm -hmm. And he went to my friend and said, you know, what, what did you do to the piano? And he said, oh, I fixed everything. There, there's there's <gasps> oh, so many problems. Oh. To put everything back. Oh, no. And so, so my friend put every problem back in the piano. And it wasn't because oh. it sounded better. He just did it because Gould didn't want to change what he was doing. Unbelievable. So every, every musician's different. Right. Um, what do you yeah. look for personally? Oh. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think uh, there are a lot of different factors. You, you really have to consider the venue, mm -hmm. um, you know, who you're playing with, you know, if it's a solo concert right. or orchestra. And also, if you have the luxury of time, the potential of the piano. And what I mean by that is a great piano technician can change the, the color, the voice, the character of a piano mm -hmm. in just a couple hours. Right. Um, I mean, a good technician, a bad technician would just make it there worse. There are very, very few technicians who, are, who can do that, right. as you have discovered. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, one of my past teachers said, you know, out of the 200 technicians you meet, almost all of them are not good technicians. <laughs> um, and but this is true of contractors in your home, true. mechanics, and God forbid, doctors. <laughs> well, I know. You know. So yeah. So you just you never know. But so like when you go to that selection room mm -hmm. and you know you're picking a piano. Uh, so example, if I'm playing at Carnegie, um, Carnegie Hall is one of the few halls in the world where it's acoustically wonderful. Yeah. Everywhere you sit. Absolutely. Um, so you can actually pick a very sensitive piano. It doesn't have to be too loud. It's very well balanced. Um, you know, for me, the most important thing is that the sound, the tone of the piano, if you play one note, mm -hmm. you should hear a beautifully long sustain, and you should hear a, a nice beat to the vibration of the sound. And if you actually, you know, if, if you're at home right now, you know, and, and you have a piano, go to your piano and just play one note. And you'll notice it's not just a single tone. 
that it kind of wobbles a little bit. Well, you get yeah. it tuned. Uh, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just get well, it wobbles too much. Then yeah, and and what's funny is you know when when you listen to that, the best pianos I've played on have the most harmonious wobbles. Mm -hmm. I, it's a weird way to describe it, but when you play chords, they have a nice ring. Yes. And and that's I, I look for that. I look for a wonderful tone. Um, you know, I look for you know I don't. If when you play the piano, you don't want it to be have a metallic sound, right? Um, you know, and another thing is playability of the piano. Yeah. Uh, you know, some pianos are so heavy mm -hmm. that you know if you're playing, like right. right now I'm recording the first 12 Chopin etudes. All right. It's, uh, opus 10. Yeah, Opus 10. All and right. It's very technically demanding. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> that's putting it mildly. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> and most people would not dare do it in a concert. And I did three recitals with that program. All right, good for you. And uh, you know, it's I, I played one recital with the piano that had a very difficult action. Oh. And um, I, 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 my arms got, you know, very tight and they were very tired and I could not play piano for the next day. Oh my gosh. So uh, what, you have to be careful. Yeah. So, I mean, any, anybody, if, even if you're just buying a piano mm -hmm. or, you know, mm -hmm. you have to be very careful what piano you get mm -hmm. and, you know, be aware, you know, you have to be careful of which salesperson you're dealing with because mm -hmm. their goal is to sell you the piano. Mm -hmm. Um, and very few are like you who are actually a pianist. That's right. That it's knowledgeable and you know cares about the customer to the extent that you know they don't get injured when they practice. And it's interesting because there are teachers oftentimes who are helping students get pianos. Right. And there's some teachers who come in and they are hell bent on getting the heaviest piano <laughs> action they can get for their student with the idea that it's going to help develop their strength. And what we do is pianos, of course, some are going to be heavier and lighter than others. Right. But there's a range of what's normal, you know, as you said, you know, 50, maybe as low as 48, up to around 60 of down weight in the middle of the piano. Mm. If you're much higher than that, I think it could be dangerous. Right. And, and lower than that, and you're not developing the strength exactly. you need. And sometimes you can't, you know, even with gram weights, sometimes you can't mm -hmm. even go off of that because the new Steinways that are coming out, mm -hmm. you can measure uh, gram weights of 58 grams down and then, you know, 27 up, and that's pretty heavy, yeah. but it feels, I mean, incredibly fast. We've had pianos like yeah. that that fool you yeah. because there's a <laughs> psychoacoustic effect. If a piano produces a lot of sound, even if the action's heavy, it doesn't right. feel heavy. And, and also, you know, these, the piano companies today, they, they go into so much effort fine-tuning all these little details. Like, mm -hmm. you, you wouldn't think about it, but, you know, like, when a hammer goes up, there's this, like, piece of leather behind it called a back check, right? Yes. And, and Steinway had created a new synthetic um, leather. It's, mm -hmm. it's completely patented, it's a private, you know, secret, you know, no one knows how they make it, but um, it, it had removed so many friction issues mm -hmm. that, you know, just things like that, um, you know, like the bushing that houses the, uh, the mechanism where the hammer goes up and down, like they put Teflon powder around right. it. And uh, they figured out a way using it with methanol that it won't stick in, the, in high humidity, and then it, it frees up the hammer so much that they just those two changes. Right. I mean, now you can play. I mean, you can play the Opus 12 etudes or Opus 10 etudes, yeah. and you know, you, you, it won't hurt at all. <laughs> and then you have radical technologies like the Wessel Nickel and Gross action, mm -hmm. which is all you know synthetic carbon fiber shanks where the whole mass of the action is less, right. giving a very different type of feel. Right, exactly. So, you know, I used to 
travel with my father to choose pianos for his recitals. And the way he would always choose a piano um, is twofold. One thing right in alignment with what you said, which is also one of the most important criteria to me, which is the tone life. Right. And a piano that really is great, you almost get the sense of a bloom to the tone, where you put, press a key, and right. instead of it just instantly fading out, it almost seems to make a crescendo, and then slowly fade away. And that's right. a sign of a great piano. But the other thing, he always chose the piano that had that was voiced warmer than others because mm -hmm. he had no problem with power, but wanted to get a truly beautiful pianissimo. Right. But of course, a great deal comes down to, is are you using this for a concerto? Is right. it a solo recital? How big is the hall? Is it chamber music? Uh, is it Mozart? Right. Is, is it, it Gershwin? <laughs> you know, it, it's, one size doesn't fit all. You know, right. here we are with 60 pianos here. And yeah. when I sit down and play the very same piece on different pianos, it inspires different performances. And right. so it is in choosing a concert grand. You know, yeah. you have to find the right piano for that purpose. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really tough. And, um, you, know, uh, you know, and also what's interesting as a pianist it's very important that you know once you reach at a certain level that you learn about how a piano is made and how the action works and what voicing means and how a piano creates its tone so you can talk to a technician you know what kind of sound you're looking for because you could select a piano that has a huge sound I mean mm -hmm. it, the soundboard is so like it just creates such a big sound it can mm -hmm. overwhelm an orchestra right but the voicing could be so harsh mm -hmm. that you would never want to play loud on that piano. It would <laughs> right. just hurt your ears. Exactly. So you have to be able to tell a technician and say, you know, hey, I think the hammers need filing, and that way you can kind of quote unquote redo the voicing mm -hmm. and make it warmer. Yes. Um, you know, and but if you don't know how to communicate that, you could find That's a right. great piano for concerto, mm -hmm. but you could get a really bad review, and they say, you know, your tone was harsh. But it right. could just be your piano. But it's a tremendous challenge, particularly if you're trying a piano at a dealer or some other off-site location, then you get it into the hall. More than that, even trying a piano in the hall and then you put the audience in there, which changes the acoustics. So this, it's a very great challenge and it really ultimately takes years of experience mm -hmm. and dozens if not hundreds of pianos to really get a handle on what's gonna work for you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, this, I mean, if, if any of you get a chance to perform at Carnegie Hall, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a surreal experience, but it's a strange one. Mm -hmm. When you're on stage uh, playing, it sounds, you, you, you actually, you question yourself quite a bit because it sounds quite muted. It sounds okay. quite bad. You know, when you're playing, you're thinking, God, this, this huge piano and no sound? <laughs> And it's a strange hall because on stage you think you're the worst pianist in the world. <laughs> and out there in the audience, you're a rock star. It's magic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I've heard some shockingly mediocre musicians, they sound great in Carnegie <laughs> Hall. You know, yeah. so, you know, everything is, you know, it really depends on the space. Mm -hmm. um, and you're right, it's, it's down to experience. You know, right. when, once you get to a selection, I did a selection for a school one time and you, you, once you play on a nine-foot, when you approach a piano, sometimes when you play a chord, you just know, nope, this is not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And and you know, if if you don't, if, you, if people don't understand selection and your history of playing, they might think you're being a snob. But <laughs> but it, yeah, it's, you kind of get a sense, you know, like you can kind of guess the potential of the piano. Exactly. One last question before <laughs> you go. 
because Steinway, is, you know, obviously is uh, the most popular piano mm -hmm. out there because there are way more of semi-concert grands than all other companies put together right. out of the concert circuit. Your impressions of Hamburg Steinway versus New uh, York Steinway in the concert grand realm? The, the, big, the big long debate <laughs> of Steinway pianos. Um, oh, geez. And so, I know my, I have a feeling about it, but perhaps you have a realm of experience. So that, that you can I, I'm impart. kind of cautious because most of my fans on Facebook are from Asia. So, <laughs> so they play Hamburg. They play Hamburg. Yeah. Um, so I, one thing I want to get clear, the reason for that mm -hmm. is Steinway is divided from the manufacturer side mm -hmm. into two companies, as we both know, New York and Hamburg. Um, what the two pianos share, though, is they have the exact same action. They have the same plates. Oh, wait a minute. The, the Renner action in Hamburg. Oh, so they, they have the same action. Okay. Uh, they have the same action design, but actually now, mm -hmm. now they've switched. So actually New York and Hamburg are coming closer and closer together. Well, they're still using Renner hammers, shanks, knuckles, in, or not, so not in Hamburg anymore? Uh, they're using, Renner makes them, right. but it's with Steinway's design. They, do they have the accelerated action the in Hamburg? The accelerated action, um, now it's like 50-50. You know, <laughs> some of them do. Some of them do. Hey, interesting. Um, this is news to me. I'm learning something. I'm not, I don't know if I'm supposed <laughs> to say this, but um, also the felts that they use for the hammers are exactly the same now. They both use mm -hmm. a felt that is a lining that's closer to the stomach of the lamb. Mm -hmm. um, so that's changed. Um, uh, and you know, they, so, so they have a lot of similarities now that mm -hmm. weren't before. Right. Um, and then, you know, but the main thing is the reason why Asia is susceptible to Hamburg was because they made an agreement that New York Times would just be sold in North and South America. Mm -hmm. And then Hamburg would be responsible for right. Europe and Asia. Um, now, even though there are similar pianos, their character is very, very different. And it has to, I, I think the big difference is the soundboard. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a little bit thicker in, in uh, Germany? The, the German soundboard, although Steinway doesn't always admit it, is a hair thicker, mm -hmm. just a hair. But the biggest difference mm -hmm. is that the New York soundboard is the only soundboard of piano companies that I'm aware of that has a diaphragmatic frame. The uh, tapered? The tapered mm -hmm. ends. Right. And what that uh, gives is this ability to be more flexible mm -hmm. and to bounce sound so they don't taper more. the soundboards on Hamburg Steinways, to your knowledge? No, they don't. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, so if you look at the sh Japanese pianos, mm -hmm. um, in the Japanese market, they revere the Hamburg Steinway to be the best piano in the mm -hmm. world. So they actually build their pianos closely to the Hamburg yes. Steinway. So they also do not right. have a tapered soundboard. Mm -hmm. um, another big difference mm -hmm. is that uh, the Steinway soundboard, the soundboard is actually grooved into the outer rim. Right. It's the only piano company that does that. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, with all these differences uh, between Steinway and New York, you have one piano that's characteristically much louder than the other. Mm -hmm. um, and New York being the louder one. New piano. York being the louder one. So if you want to play a concerto. New York is a good way I to mean, go. <laughs> if, you know, what's funny is if, if, I, if I went to a competition, there's a New York and Hamburg, and I know there's a concerto around, I, I don't even go pick. I just say, oh, New York. <laughs> you know, it's not worth it. You just want to be heard. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Balance with an orchestra is no easy yeah, task. Yeah, exactly. But what I, what I will say is mm -hmm. what, what Hamburg pianos are really good at is they have a brilliant tone that's very sweet. It's a very sweet tone. It's very clear. It's a very mm -hmm. clear piano. Yes. So if I was playing something with not a lot of pedal, mm -hmm. um, 
more you know, earlier like, period yeah, music? Yeah, like Mozart, mm -hmm. early Beethoven, right. Bach. Uh, I would lean towards the Hamburg pianists, which mm -hmm. is a lot of the great Bach, Beethoven, Mozart pianists do. They lean towards right. the Hamburg. To the extent that they even have a custom-made Hamburg piano called the Fabrini, mm -hmm. which is uh, an Italian technician, master tech, that he makes the piano even more clear than mm -hmm. it is. Interesting. Um, but if I had to pick one for my whole life, yes. honestly, I, I would pick the New York Steinway. Mm -hmm. um, the main reason being that in terms of tonal possibilities, uh, I think it's mm -hmm. the greatest. Mm -hmm. I, uh, you know, the unicorda pedal, the sound you get from a New York Steinway, mm -hmm. I mean, it not only mutes the sound, but you, you get different colors. Right. Um, and it's also the favorite of all my my favorite pianists. They all prefer the New York uh -huh. I mean, Rachmaninoff, Rubinstein, mm -hmm. Horowitz. Of course, the um, pianos that were made back then compared to what's being made now, which comes back uh -huh. to the essential. To me, I'd have to try the specific pianos to make a decision like oh, that. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> at the end of the, I mean, one time I was in the the concert artist basement, the New mm -hmm. Steinway Hall, and I was yeah. picking a piano, and there was a Hamburg that was. That was the best piano. That yeah, day. yeah. You know, you, you never know. Like I said at the NAM show, there was a model 280, I believe, uh -huh. Luzendorfer, which is not the Imperial. No. That was the best piano on the show. There was it wasn't uh -huh. even a, a second. It was just an incredible yeah, instrument. You never, so you never know. You never know. So that's the uh, the lesson. You never <laughs> you know. Never know. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, it's been great talking with you. Oh, I invite you back here to talk more. Once again, George Coe, and we'll have the information for you. I encourage you to investigate and get to hear George, you know, fabulous pianist. Thanks so much for joining us. Once again, Robert Estrin here at livingpianist.com and virtualsheetmusic.com. It's a pleasure. <laughs>